You are listening to a Zoomcron interview. That's right. Please sit back and enjoy. As you listen to us, talk, 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 interview. Talk, 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 interview. Talk, 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 interview for you. Tick tock, tick tock, something new. Tick tock, tick tock, something new. Talk, 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 an interview for you. I hope you learned something new. I hope you enjoy this interview. And I hope you stay tuned to Zoomcron Week in Review. Now enjoy this Zoomcron interview. Hello and welcome to a very special interview edition of Zoomcron. I'm your host, Travis William Skink Mateer, and this is the intro to the interview with Elisa E. Um, briefly, I'm going to explain how I actually came about scheduling this interview with Elisa. Um, there is another Eliza in the, in the media, in sort of the alt-media world. Eliza Blue has gotten quite a lot of attention recently, so for anyone following that, Elisa E. is not Eliza Blue. Um, I sent an email to the publisher of Elisa E.'s book, which we're going to be talking about, Our Life Beyond MK Ultra. And the reason why I reached out to the publisher is because Eliza Blue was in the headlines. Not really headlines, but Eliza Blue was a topic of conversation. Well, we'll put it that way. Topic of conversation in the alt media world, at least the folks that I follow. And once I decided, or once I distinguished between Eliza Blue and Elisa E., um, the publisher actually forwarded my inquiry along, and this interview was scheduled, and it happened on March 2nd, and I'm very, very happy to be able to present this conversation on a very difficult subject matter, um, but Ali and I together both, I think, were able to have a very nuanced conversation um, about things like trauma, um, fear, Fear is one of the big themes of the conversation, how you look at certain topics without allowing fear to take hold. Um, I'm really, really happy with this interview and with this conversation. So thank you, Lisa E., for giving us time and sharing perspective on a really difficult story that has um, a lot of strength and I think some amazing lessons to take away for anyone looking at, at the trauma that I think we are all experiencing now in this post-pandemic world that we're living in. So stay tuned for the interview. Thank you. And stay tuned for the Week in Review, which will be coming up on Sunday. All right, here you go. Elisa E. and her book, Our Life Beyond MK Ultra. Okay, once again, we have surmounted the barrier of technology. I want to adjust that just to ever so slightly. Yes. And um, and Ali, you can you can take the take the lead I'll there. I'll take the lead. Yeah. Um, we are, we are starting another great interview here at our little Missoula, Montana podcast called Zoomcron. Um, it's a reboot of a podcast that looks at local headlines, but every chance, uh, we get, I think bringing in some additional voices will be helpful voices to help understand some of the, 
the more complicated aspects of the work that Allie and I are doing. So Allie, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. And joining both of us is Elisa E. Elisa, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so we all like books and have written books. Um, you have a book that came to me um, through the way, through the <laughs> the platforms that that books are often arriving to me. So I'm listening to, to a lot of different podcasts. Um, I was reminded of Freeman. So Freeman and Freeman TV um, is is a really interesting sort of podcast. And that's where I think I had come across your work. So there was a recent interview that I listened to. Um, and uh, correct me if I'm in incorrect in anything that I'm throwing out there. But uh, I'm really interested from the perspective of having worked within a homeless shelter for, for seven years in topics like uh, mental health issues, drug addiction, um, and then some of the stories that I have heard from clients that on the surface might seem like the delusions of a schizophrenic. Um, some of the initial um, parts of your, your story, Elisa, that resonated with me is the sense of talking to a person. Maybe it's a therapist. Maybe it's just someone you're trying to um, get some so social connection to. And that moment where you see in their eyes that you've overloaded them with aspects of your story or aspects of things that you're concerned about. Um, so maybe with the, that sensitivity in mind, um, if you can give maybe a brief description of um, how you've come to this point in sharing your story and some of the traumas along the way. Well, um, I'm MKUltra survivor, um, transferred into targeting individual as you yep. get older and are of no use anymore to them in that certain way. Um, so this started for me at birth, <clears throat> um, possibly pre-birth, I mean, in the sense of traumatizing in the womb, yep. uh, as well as even maybe putting people together to create certain bloodlines. Uh, mm -hmm. That's still a question in my mind. Um, and so this was, uh, let, let me clarify this. There's actually a difference between MKUltra, if you don't mind me giving some background. Sure. Yes, There's actually please. a little difference between, quite a big difference between MKUltra and targeting. However, MKUltras can become targeted individuals later in life, meaning right. a lot of the directed energy weapons and remote technologies are used on them. Those were also used on me, as far as I can tell, in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, electromagnetics was in use as early as the 50s. Um, there's a man named Robert Nesland, German guy who's done incredible work. He wrote a book, he does presentations and he did the research and this stuff has been around a really long time. Yeah. So MKUltra is hands-on um, or was hands-on for several models of us through the decades uh, taken to facilities. Uh, they use hypnosis, drugs, torture, um, machinery, which is really interesting. You get hooked up to things. So it's a very specific uh, type of mind control. I call it an esoteric science, uh, very spiritual aspect to it, as well as you know, very physical material aspect. Targeting um, doesn't necessarily start like that. You don't necessarily have to go to any facilities. It can all be done remotely. And they can pick anyone, anywhere, anytime, any age. Um, it's just a mapping of the brain waves and the nervous system. Once they have all that information in their machinery at a distance, um, they can start sending things out and taking things from you. Uh, so they can come together, but it's really important, I think, that we understand as a society the difference between them. 
and anybody can educate themselves on this. It's all online. So already people might be thinking, we're on the deep end. We are swimming without the little floaty things on your arms that help keep you above the surface. You know, feet dr dramatically trying to kick at the at the um, things that are below the surface that um, they don't want to confront. So a frame of reference I am I am using a lot is the show Stranger Things. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, because you are describing um, the history. So going back to, you know, you mentioned the 70s, 60s, but we're talking also Operation Paperclip and sort of Nazi science happening in World War II. Um, and so there is this actually well-documented history, um, but for people that aren't prepared to consider some of these things, um, one of the, the things I'm, I'm sort of marked down to make sure to talk about at the beginning of our conversation is the idea of fear as a virus, um, the idea of sort of fear porn. I'm really interested in narrative control, just generally speaking. And there's a couple of books um, really that I have a little subsection in my crazy library that my own kids look at the books in my library and are like, what's, what's like, what's this about? I'm like, well, some of these books you're not allowed to read yet. Um, right. But I tell them stranger things has a real history and that they are now trying to let the kids know that, um, Hey, you can get superpowers kids, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain. They are trying to rewrite the history of MK ultra and all the sub programs. Um, and so I'm interested in how we talk about this without the idea of getting too much of the fear that I think, um, Maybe, maybe it gives them too much credit to some degree. I mean, I, I, part of me wants to think that some of your experiences that you've written about aren't real. I mean, I just, they're my, I still have a knee jerk reaction. Um, and Allie might feel differently having, you know, different sets of experiences and people out there listening, everyone has their own sets of experiences. Um, but, you know, even with working in the homeless shelter and coming across um, people and having some conversations I'm excited to share with you about, because you mentioned hypnosis and that plays into a client that I had a really interesting, you know, series of conversations with about stuff happening in the Northwest. Um, but I mean, how do we talk about this stuff without um, immediately giving people a sense that maybe they're feeling demoralized or that they're powerless or hopeless? Well, first of all, I'll tell you with everything I've been through and what I understand, um, what I know is currently going on, what I'm able to know is currently going on, a lot of which is still very well hidden. Yeah. The degree of the technology um, some of it we don't speak about, I don't speak about publicly, um, yeah. but there are some people coming out now with some of the newer technologies as far as remote technologies, and, and it is mind-blowing. So I guess what I would say is I don't have despair or lack of right. faith. Yeah. I know where I'm headed. <laughs> yeah. um, I really do, and I feel very strong and confident in that. Um, a big part of that, however, is if you don't have an inner life, this thing's going to beat you down. This thing's mm -hmm. going to scare you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make you depressed and in despair and, and lack of faith. The, it's crucial now. Um, we're dealing with a spiritual aspect as well as a physical material aspect. And if you do not have an inner life, if you do not have self-awareness, if you do not understand what's happening in the world, what it looks like. Um, what they're capable of doing and what that looks like and feels like, then I can understand how people are going to remain frightened and feel lost. Um, so there is a way through this. Um, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm, I'm not one to um, coddle anybody. <laughs> so here's the way I see it. They're always going to outgun us technologically. There's no way you're going to beat this from a physical material consciousness. Right. Yeah. As I found this path myself, 
um, I was, it was a rude awakening to start deprogramming. Mm -hmm. um, I thought there was going to be safety. There was going to be support. There was going to be, and in my time, there was none of that. Yeah. It was a minefield I was walking through to deprogram. So there is a reality to this, that this is hard. This is harsh. This is harsh material. It's not yeah. pleasant. Um, it's not going to give you the warm and fuzzies and feel safe. What it's going to do though, it, it's going to break down your preconceived ideas that are inaccurate. Your foundation of what you think reality is, what the world is, what your place is here, what you're here to do. Mm -hmm. uh, all those things are going to fall away first. But the good news is the other side of that is amazing. The power yeah. that can come to a person that is willing to face truth and be proactive in their own lives to learn how to actually engage your will rather than getting up and following a script every day, which people think they're making choices, but we just get up and do this, 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 we go to bed, we get up and do it all over again. And we do it, you know, that is not sovereignty. Um, sovereignty is not an easy path in our current times, but it is immensely rewarding and immensely empowering. Um, and that to me, for me personally, is the way out. That was my way out. It's not about me, you know, as far as they go, they'll always own me in their mind so they can do whatever they want to do, but they don't own me spiritually or in my soul. And they know they don't own that anymore. They just try to convince people. As far as what's happening on a yeah. global scale, we're not under total mind control yet. That's the goal. What we're under right now is severe conditioning. Mm -hmm. This is just conditioning. And in conditioning, you have a choice. In total mind control, when it's effective, you don't have a choice. Right. Something has to happen to break that. But in conditioning, everybody on the planet still has a choice if they're not under specified total mind control. So the conditioning is, is um, super intense. I, I refer to it as end time programming, meaning it's to me, end time programming is the next level is global. Yeah. When I saw they were going global with, you know, what just took place over the last few years, I knew exactly that this was the next level. Of, of severe conditioning. Now, so I, yeah. I know Ali, I know Ali's chomping at the bit to, to start asking some questions. I briefly will say um, in March of 2020, that's what got the fear virus in my head was the global scale of what was moving. And so um, I didn't know if what was real or not what was happening. I mean, I, but I was, I was scared. I was right there in fear with a lot of the same um, people that I then later saw as turned hostile towards me but i love all the all the things you're saying about having that positivity ali i know has some questions so i want her to to have a chance to ask those thank you for sharing what you've been sharing i love what you're saying and it resonates with me very deeply um i i wanted to ask where do you find your hope you mentioned that you've been through just hell on earth if i can say that um, and yet I see such strength exuding from you. And I, I see a person who's free. I mean, just like what you said, that they don't have the power and control over your mind and soul and spirit, right? And I love that. And I know that there are people listening who themselves feel bound and they feel hopeless. They may not have been through MK Ultra or mind control in that direct of a way. Uh, but there are people who have been abused physically, sexually, mentally, and emotionally, 
and they're just looking for a way out. And so I, I'm wondering if, if you could offer where you find your hope and any way out for them. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a, as you probably know, it's a difficult topic to try to describe how to develop an inner life. You know, we all come to that. I can't, I know that I can't, um, I can't give that to someone. All I can do is hope to inspire somebody to start looking right. Um, but what, well, I'll just, I'll stick to my experience of it. What I realized was I really didn't, there were several episodes over a period of years in deprogramming that I would hit what I call a wall, meaning I thought I was at a certain place, they would do something and I would have to go back to, you don't know shit. Um, you don't know how to get out of this. And I'm bringing that up because that's actually not a bad thing. What happens in that process, if you stay with it, is you accept a level of something occurring, you let go. You, you completely let go. You have to be extremely self-aware and willing to look at the parts that are very uncomfortable. Right. You know, we can't just ignore things. So each time this would happen, doors would open up on the other side. I would have a greater understanding by letting go and seeing that I didn't know everything I needed to know. Yeah. Um, and so that was a, an ongoing process. Um, a lot of the things I was speaking about um, and writing about, it turns out that I was describing things from a very novice but experiential. I didn't have the information, I didn't have the language that led me through a friend to Rudolf Steiner's work. Uh -huh. um, and I had tried to find explanations for a lot of the beings I had encountered, a lot of things that were happening to me. And nothing quite fit until I found anthroposophy and spiritual science. And this friend was reading my material and saw that she had been a student of Rudolf Steiner all of her life. And so it kind of led me in that direction. And it took a while for me for that to take, for me to really become committed. And then one day it just was like it, everything clicked. And I became extremely passionate about um, taking in that information. Um, as a living, evolving process. It's not a static thing. Right. It's not an old thing. It's an ongoing thing. But this man came here and in my opinion, offered the solution to each individual. Um, and it's not an easy path. Um, he's he's, uh, he's mind bending at times, but as you go through that, it changes you. As you go through his material, it actually starts to change you. Um, and change your understanding. But he was the one that was able to describe or he was the one that explained a lot of the things that I had encountered. And this process has, um, I wanna know, I'm just always been one of those people, I wanna know. I'm not gonna shy away. I mean, things can be difficult at times and I may postpone it for a little bit, but I'm one of those people that the more I know, the better I feel and the stronger I am. So if you're going to push things away, it might be hard if, if you don't want to really look at this stuff. And, and that doesn't mean that it's all, all darkness. It's that you, it's kind of like the dark night of the soul. You have to go through the darkness to have the understanding and the knowledge to move forward in the light. And that's, that's my view of, of what anthroposophy and spiritual science yeah. presents. It's, it is Christ-based. 
absolutely it's it's christ-based but it is not a religion and it's a, i call it esoteric christianity as opposed to exoteric christianity oh um, man it's much deeper um it's, he offers a cosmology for uh, the solar system and humanity that to me without that cosmology will slightly misunderstand everything that's presented to us so he gives a base to interpret and see things um, in a very, very different way. And that has, um, that has been my strength. That is my faith. And, and even looking forward, uh, dare I say, I mean, we, we've, got a, we've got choices. We've got choices as a, as a species and as individuals, we have choices. And it does matter what we do today that will depend on our future. But I know where I'm headed. Um, I know that sounds arrogant, but I know where I'm headed. I know the choices I've made and hope to continue to make with possibly further incarnations. But I want to say this because um, what's happening in the physical around us, dare I say, is going to become more difficult. Yeah. It's not going to stop. It's not going to ease up. We're going, we've moved into a phase of our evolution that is necessary. It's actually necessary to do what we need to do. Um, so on the physical plane, the material plane, things are going to get tougher than they are now. People think this is bad. Um, and, and I'm not a, as you see, I'm not a down des despairing person, but what I think people need to keep in mind, if they are willing to develop, sincerely develop an inner life, things begin, in other words, my relationship to what I'll call the higher hierarchies is one that is assisting in a very small way, I'm sure, as, but there are many of us that are assisting to change things in the spiritual world. It's not going to manifest or present itself here now. We're going to go. We're going to go farther into the dark. That's just the course we're on right now. But in the spirit world, things are changing, and that will and does have an effect here. How and when that will manifest, in, and I believe it's actually happening all the time. But um, it's not. If 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 your consciousness stays in what's going on around you, your sense world then it's not gonna look good. And that's where people, in my opinion, go into despair and fear. You yeah. have to develop that connection to something greater than us that is influential in our life as well. But behind these dark forces, these, these people, these corporations, these military and intelligence and technologies, um, there are forces that are inimical to humanity. They're, they've been influencing all along for many, many epochs, and they have a goal, they have an agenda, um, and we also have the lighter side, but we and our choices to our choices here in this realm either assist the higher hierarchies that want to help us, or they feed the dark forces that are working against us. And even avoidance, not wanting to know, works for the dark side. Um, and Amen. I speak about this in the book. Um, what's the line between being a victim or being a perpetrator? 
where do you cross that line into co-perpetrating with what's going on? And this gets back to individual responsibility. We are all responsible for what's happening now, mm-hmm. all of us on yep. an individual basis. And it takes a strong person with an inner life to be able to say, what is my responsibility? How, what have I done or not done or am doing or not doing that is allowing this to take place? Because it's not just us and them, it's all of us. And to me, the powers that be know this. This is mm-hmm. how they work. They know that if they can um, re- disengage that will in humanity, um, that individual will and that collective soul, if they can disengage that, which is what the, the jab is all about, um, it's, a, it's a, a physical thing, but there's a sentience in these things that has been proven out in yeah. methods that are different from from the typical um, hardcore science, um, but there's even intimation in the science. So we're on a path that is to, right now we still have a choice. I don't know how long that's gonna last for a lot of people. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, it, so, so not to be, again, there's really no way to talk about this in just a loving kind, you know, rainbows and unicorns. It's it's a hard time, but it's also a pivotal time in humanity. To me, this whole uh, episode for the last few years is an opportunity. Which side are you on now? You know, it's coming it's coming to the face of those that haven't had to look in a long long time or ever, and you get to choose. And when you choose that can be an incredibly proactive, positive thing. Amen. That is amazing. Um, There's so much. I was finally actually taking some notes because I didn't want to lose some of the ideas I had in, in response to that. But um, esoteric Christianity, um, I, I don't want to speak for Allie. I, I know we've talked in, in past podcast episodes about um, sort of her background as a more sort of um, active Christian. My background was a Presbyterian disengaged as a teenager in suburbia because I wanted Jim Morrison to lead me into the counterculture revolution, <laughs> not realizing that I was just like regurgitating um, a very well-worn path of rebellion that was leading me to drug use and abuse. And, um, you know, I stepped away from alcohol as a result of what happened in March of 2020, realizing, because I have three kids, that if I didn't start cleaning up my own inner inner life, inner space, um, I was going to have problems because they were serious at this point, like that global movement um, of these uh, institutions and agencies that were taking away my agency and the agency to make decisions over my own children and having own members of my family thinking that Fauci knew better than I did when it came to my kids. It, it, it's tough. But, um, you know, in terms of looking at texts outside of the Bible, so Re- uh, Rudolf Steiner, someone I, I became familiar with and was just shocked at the timelessness of the things he was talking about 100 years ago. A lot of people, that's Rudolf Steiner's not going to be within their wheelhouse. We, um, Ali and I had a conversation with um, someone recently that was not necessarily in as a, a, a light bringing position in terms of the feeling afterwards. Um, and his soul sort of, uh, his soul solace was the Bible, was reading just the Bible. Um, I used to have this really interesting idea of Gnosticism. A lot of that came to me through uh, science fiction like Philip K. Dick. Um, I've also, in my own life, used synchronicity as a way to make decisions in my life that may or may not, in hindsight, you know, have an overall positive impact on the people closest to me. I have to take that risk, though. 
But now I'm hearing as part of this fear program, end times program is what you're kind of framing it as from your perspective. Um, things like Gnosticism is now being seen really as bad um, uh, stuff that, you know, mushrooms and psychedelics that may have some kind of benefit. I mean, even, even uh, MDMA in a clinical sense with people facing end of life stuff. I'm questioning all of this now. Um, I used to work at a homeless shelter. I used to believe in harm reduction, right? The harm reduction was giving methadone over you know, street heroin. Um, but you're talking about the fact that we have a choice. And we're also talking about things that are not material. Um, I know, I think you've spent some time on the streets. I'm interested in your perspective on the choices that people make to use drugs like methamphetamine right now is one of the ones I'm most interested in. And what that does to your spiritual immune system when you are choosing to take any drug, even if it's alcohol, because I know when I was consuming alcohol, my artistic output was just not, it, it wasn't being shared and it wasn't all that great. It was me in my shop um, late at night drinking too much box wine because the box wine hid how much I was actually drinking for myself, which was really convenient. You couldn't see the, sure. the quick depletion of the red liquid. Um, but I'm interested in your perspective on those kinds of things, taking these material substances. You know, Ali and I have talked a little bit about this. Um, and I, I, I'm just really open to questioning all of this, but I'm also interested in things that will help people. I've also done a couple of float sessions. So you know, the float sessions were really nice. And I actually had a sense of calm afterwards that didn't require any kind of chemical rebalancing within my system to, to achieve. And so um, I don't know if there's anything specifically you'd like to respond to in that kind of line of thinking. Sure. Um, as far as I understand, a lot of the um, pharmaceuticals now are laced with uh, the technology um, so a lot of antidepressants, antipsychotics, um, I believe a lot of the street drugs aren't just what maybe they were right. 20 years ago. Um, they're, they're delivery systems. There's, there's a lot of things that are just delivery systems now. As far as, um, you know, mushrooms or ayahuasca, I get the value of a one-time deal, possibly. Um, what I tend to see in Western society is cherry picking, uh, weekend workshops. Um, we're not devoted and disciplined in a lot of the processes that were once worked a certain way. People are picking up things, there's a term atavistic, um, they're picking up things that once were in a time in a certain way and bringing it forward to a time where perhaps it doesn't have even the same effect. It's, uh, we're not the same, our times are not the same. And this wow. is really important yeah. to um, coming through spiritual science, anthroposophy, that it's, it's super important in an incarnation to be fully present in your time. Um, we all incarnate in each epoch at least once. It can go thousands of years between incarnations, but the reason is to learn from that time to evolve from what is offered in that time. So a lot of atavistic stuff, I believe, is being guided forward by the dark side because they know that it won't do what needs to be done. You know, you may have an incredible experience. You may have greater understanding, but where does that lead? Um, and so I see a lot of things that way. For example, technology. Um, you know, this is a part of our time. It's not going away. It's going to uh, develop and evolve in ways that will 
probably blow most people's minds. Right. Um, it already is. It's already begun. Um, but for me, this is a part of my time. So when I utilize the technology, I'm using it with the full intention and understanding, first of all, of what it is, that it is being um, influenced by dark forces, but I'm using it for the other side. Like you mentioned early on, I mean, think of the reach we have with information now. Um, if you just keep it as information and remain voyeuristic, nothing's going to change. Um, so we have to not use we have to use information in the right way. We have to use it for a purpose for the higher good of all, not just for ourselves or you know what you're talking what we're talking about. Um, so there are things of old. I would I would say a lot of the pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals, um, steer clear of if absolutely possible find alternative clean ways to to deal with things I know that's not always um, always possible for a lot of people with medical right. conditions and so forth um, but we're in a I guess what I'm saying is we're in a new we're in a new realm with these things this is right. not what it was you know doing ayahuasca this is not the same setting this is not the same we're not the same physically mentally um, you know, we're in a different time. So if you are really with someone who has spent an entire lifetime um, as a shamanic healer, not a weekend warrior, um, <laughs> I suppose there's, there are individuals, I think it's probably rare, there are individuals that can utilize that path. But again, Western society is, you know, we're cherry pickers. We like just the cherry off the tree. We don't want to know anything else about it. Um, right. And a lot of weekend warrior workshops, uh, that's, that's, to me, that's not quite where we need to be going. Well, so <clears throat> you say um, how we use information is so incredibly important. One of the, the writers that I'm very drawn to that has forced me to question some of the stuff is Jason Horsley. Are you familiar with his work? I know the name, but I don't. Oh, I do know the name. I don't know how I know it. Yeah. Yeah. Jason is amazing. So he's from the, <clears throat> excuse me, he's from the UK and spent some time in British Columbia and has walked a spiritual path to resolve some of his own traumas. He's, he's written very openly uh, about some very dark things that he experienced growing up. And then um, his, his, he was drawn to cinema in ways of almost like a torture porn interest in watching women specifically be abused in the, by these directors, like um, uh, who, who, who made psycho Alfred Hitchcock, you know, some of these, some of these really problematic men specifically. And then what, what Hollywood ended up being in his mind um, and how he has really, I think provided keys to other content creators, writers, researchers, to think more critically about, about cinema, because what Jason had warned me about when I interviewed him was the creation of the second matrix, that um, some people open up to the symbolism of specific satanic cults, and then they get excited to find that symbolism in movies, and they're just sitting there watching more movies. What are they doing in real life? Um, Ali and I are very active in our local community. We're going to city council meetings. You know, we're going to the things um, that might not be as exciting as watching for the next Illuminati signal, you know, or the, the latest, you know, satanic performance at the Grammys. Are we all talking about that? Um, no. What are, what, what are we doing? Are we equipping our children to, to critically look at the media they're consuming? Are we 
looking at transportation infrastructure that might not seem like a part of a grand technocratic control system, but is. Um, so Jason Horsley has helped me, I think, avoid some of these traps that are out there um, with getting sucked into things that are going to disempower, take your energy, take your time. Um, I mean, there's so many challenges out there, but um, one word that we can maybe discuss that, and I want Ali um, to also get a chance to, to chime in as well, discernment, um, what, what discernment does in playing a role. Um, and Ali, if there's anything you'd want to add to my rambling. Your question about discernment specifically. Yeah, um, so is there yeah. a question in there? Just, I don't, <laughs> just you, a, Ali, a you listen to me ramble so so oftentimes. <laughs> it's probably sometimes almost kind of like, well, this is Travis, you know, saying these things again. But um, <laughs> discernment is is difficult for me. Okay, this is what I wanted to mention yeah. actually. Synchronicity. Um, synchronicity is something that I have questioned in a whole new way, and it, I, it's part of my questioning of drug use um, because my my early experiences in my basement as a teenager was um, smoking cannabis and then having music lyrics speak to me in certain ways that that gave me direction. Um, now, as you're talking about different time, different substances, I've had to readjust my thinking of cannabis. And th this actually happened very specifically in a crime prevention conference as I'm sitting there, I was probably stoned. And but I was listening to what I was hoping was some insight on meth and some of these harder drugs on the streets because I was still working at the shelter. But as the, the Idaho state trooper was talking about the delivery system for cannabis and all of this new high octane, 90% THC extraction that's taking butane in order to like get this high powered stuff, um, I shifted into being a recreational user of a substance that I do still find some, some benefit creatively in, in using. But then I, I started thinking about my own kids and like, holy crap, these devices um, are just like the teachers don't even know what they look like. Um, some of these oils, who knows what's being put into it. And when we talk about the things that we're making the choices to do, um, before March 2020, there was a very interesting, very interesting outbreak um, through vapes, through the use of vapes um, of people. And, and they were having the, the, the ground glass opacity in their, in their chest, in their lungs. And so this was something that always stuck with me as we're talking about this, this long-term plan of really, really deranged evil people um, who I think are accessing some metaphysical power, um, but Absolutely. it's not as great as the power that's going to be ultimately in, in opposition to that. So black magic is real. Black yeah. magic is very, very real. And some of those vapes, if you recall, you recharge them by plugging them into your computer. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Allie had something that's she true. wanted to add as I was you, rambling. You're right on about that. Yeah. And so to the thought of discernment, I've always thought of that as trying things that differ. And one sort of litmus test of discernment is, I believe, like by their fruits, you shall know them. So what is what is the ultimate um, expression? And, and I think sometimes you fast forward to the tape to the end to see what that is. And but discernment, hopefully, comes to a point where you don't have to see how it plays out to be able to discern the, the nature of a thing, you know, Right. Um, so that's my, I like that. I like that. that. Well, and how things differ. I think we use, um, contrast and juxtaposition in our own work, um, to help show other people that might be open to being more critical since, um, that time frame for making the choices really does feel like it's getting, getting shorter. narrow, getting yeah. shorter, shorter, getting. And I really dire. don't know, you know, how long yeah. this is, you know, the way I look at it like this, like what you were talking about, anthroposophy and spiritual science, I know 
there most people are never going to in this incarnation take a deep dive i'm talking a deep dive there's a lot yeah. of superficial stuff going on with that beware um it's being thrown around in a way that you know these are not people that are really involved and deeply involved but yeah. i look at it this way i bring it in which was i s spent a long time thinking about that uh whether i should or shouldn't um i'm a novice student do I have the right to even discuss this? I surely can't explain it all. Um, and I think what I came to is I'm attempting to plant the seed uh, for possibly the next incarnation or the one after that. Um, I do believe it will have a profound, profound role in a very proactive, even physical material way in our future um, from what I've seen. Um, for example, technology. There's an aspect in, in um, spiritual science that is called moral technology. Um, there's John Worrell Keeley, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but developed something in the uh, uh, middle, mid, early to mid 19th century that was intended to hopefully go forward and it was thwarted. Um, he didn't have a full understanding of what he had developed, but what he was working with was a very primitive version of moral technology. And technology in our future, for example, um, there will be a technology that if you do not exist in the consciousness of the highest good for all, you won't even be able to use it. It won't work for you. So hmm. we're not at that right now. See, we're at a technology that went the other path which is anybody can use it for anything to torture individuals, to rape individuals, to mind control individuals, um, to destroy people, to kill people. I mean, that's an example of how we can go one path or the other. As far as discernment, that's a tricky one to define. Um, <laughs> what came up for me is one version of cognitive dissonance. If you're looking at something and you don't want to look at it, Take the time to stop and ask yourself why. There's one way to start looking into things. As far as people hmm. being addicted to, um, to you know, dark aspects of whether it's entertainment, um, and believe me, there's a, a, a mind control entertainment now running probably through the dark web in part yes. that blow people's minds. Um, it's really... Uh, it sounds like science fiction and it's very real. Um, I wanted to ask you about that, but I'm, I want to hold off near the end to get okay. back to that. Yes. Thanks. <clears throat> so, so as far as people getting addicted to things um, again, this is, this is individual responsibility to be able to stop and ask yourself why you're so drawn to these things. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I realize this isn't, you know, this isn't all just about, okay, do one, two, three, this is about something having to shift in the person. And, and my take yeah. on this is until the individual, you know, you hear this term about mass consciousness awakening. I have a very strong opinion about this. <laughs> um, mass, true, genuine consciousness shifting doesn't have happen in mass. Behavior change happens in mass. Conditioning happens in mass. Um, yes, more people are getting more information. Okay. And as we're talking about, is that a good thing or a bad thing? What are they doing with it? Yeah, but exactly. Consciousness shift happens individually. It happens wow, on a private individual basis. The bottom will fall out from under you. Your entire life will change 
everything will change when you have a true, in my opinion, a true genuine consciousness shift. It's not just more information. If we just deal with more information, nothing will change here. We have to have that individual aspect that, and it happens, we see it happen. Something comes along and it catalyzes the person into a whole nother path in life. Yeah. Right? Um, so, so to me, those are, those are very different things. So you can't just passively sit back hoping that the hundredth monkey will give you a passive download and that you don't have to work actively to achieve some of these things in your own life. And One of the things that I, that's just a behavior change, right? Yeah. Okay. But yeah. The monkey, that's just, that's a behavior change. That's a conditioning. <laughs> that is not a consciousness shift. Right. And, and I Distinction. think we're confusing in this time the awakening to information with a true consciousness shift. Uh, we're not there yet, okay? We're, we're all doing our thing. We're doing the best we can, and that's a good thing. And it's good to get more information. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not just up here. It's using this in conjunction with the heart. Yeah. It has to be heart thinking. It has to be knowledge. It need, you need to educate yourself, but you have to involve your heart in that as well for it to really, in my opinion, to really make any difference. Otherwise, we're staying the course of hard science. Science has its place. It absolutely has its place. But if it's just intellectual, if it's just hardcore material science, um, then we're, we're gonna remain lost. We're gonna, we're gonna continue to go down a, a darker path. Yeah. Oh, I, so I'm, I'm very excited to, to um, bring something into this conversation and to have Ali um, chime in also after I'm done rambling a bit. Um, one of the things that I'm kind of locked out of now is dreams. I think cannabis is probably one of the reasons for that. But before I locked myself out of dreams, um, there was a sense of needing to, to go underground with the library. And you mentioned in incarnations, the sense of maybe you're planting seeds for something farther down the line in terms of, you know, maybe a different lifetime. Um, Christianity used to have a sense of reincarnation within it. I heard that mentioned in a podcast. I don't have a strong sense of that. And Ali might have a better sense of reincarnation, or I know Ali has a better sense of dreams and using dreams as information. Um, and so that can be definitely something she, she um, expounds on in a bit, but um, the sense of like using stars, all right. A lot of, I've heard some very interesting astrological explanations of stuff in the Bible. Christopher Knowles is someone I still see benefit in following, but you know, I don't want to pay for his Patreon. Um, and I'm questioning how we uh, use this information, but his interpretation of how the Bible corresponds to some secret elite star interpretations of this broader time. Um, but I guess if there's any questions and maybe Ali can, I'll let her talk a little bit about the Christian perspective and how that shifted over time. But um, as we're having this conversation, how dreams play into it as information and definitely get books, bury them in the ground somehow so that people down the road can, can have a new uh, Nog Hammadi, Dead Sea Scroll kind of experience. Um, but Ali, what do you think about some of the Christian aspects of that? With dreams? I mean, it's, it's definitely a huge part of the faith. I mean, if you look back uh, at Daniel in scriptures and, and those who were given dreams, uh, Joseph had dreams. I mean, there are a lot of biblical narratives involving God, I guess, speaking to people through dreams. And I think that that hasn't ceased. I don't believe that was a time in the past. I think that's still present. I myself receive uh, what I believe prophetic dreams in certain aspects or, or at least um, greater understanding of, 
of what's going on in a way that we may not be able to pin down in the physical, natural realm, but we're, we have access to revelation through, through dreams. And I think one theme, even in, in our conversation we're having right now is what do you do with that information? And I think that is um, <laughs> nightmares, for example. So this, I'll give you just an example as we're talking about dreams. I think nightmares is an interesting thing. So I have had previously, uh, I was afflicted by nightmares every single night. If I ever did get sleep, I was bound by nightmares, torturous nightmares of things that really happened. They weren't things that could happen, but they were memories. And uh, you might be able to relate to that. And I was delivered from that. I don't have that now. So even if I have dreams, but, but it's how do you, it's what do you use it for? So even if I have dreams with disturbing thoughts now, I'm able to take those thoughts captive, if that makes sense, and say, what does this represent? And be able to apply it. So it's, so dreams or nightmares can be weapons of warfare. It's just, they're tools though, and you get to choose uh, how you deal with it. And one of the ways Ali and I are using this is that, um, you know, we have had experiences where we show up locally to things that we didn't have any business um, in the earthly realm, knowing where something was happening or when. Um, So we know we're getting some help. We know we're getting some help. And it's in part because um, the people who have died violently in this, in this community and the people that we have met of faith that are wanting answers and truth to come forward and the deep, deep corruption that exists, not just in the material world here and everywhere, but the spiritual stuff that seems to be at play. Um, yeah. What, what you do with that? And then dreams as this thing to maybe resolve in your own inner space search. If you can touch on any of those things, Lisa. Sure. And of course, I'm always the, you know, I'm going to bring in the other aspects. Um, good, good, good. The, the astral is heavily, heavily uh, being worked by the, the powers that be and the, um, and the technology itself. Literally the, the physical technology. Black the tech. Black tech is working on the astral big time. I myself have had encounters where I know it's not my dream. Um, and it's being taken to a pretty powerful level. This is not new, and there is a very spiritual aspect of why they're attacking the astral. Um, from my understanding, in the in the astral, um, each night, what we're actually intended to do is reunite with our angel. We each have an individual angel, and there's an interaction that takes place. Um, it's a renewal time. It's a re Renourishing time uh, to mind, spirit, and soul um, that is now being interfered with, not only from the cloud perspective, um, right. we've got frequencies flying all over the ground, yeah. Place, yeah. Um, but also on an individual basis. Um, I've experienced it, others I know have experienced it who have had either uh, MKUltra type mind control and or targeting. It's big in targeting. Yep. Um, it's, it's, can be a, literally a 24 seven nightly episode. Um, and I want to mention someone here that, um, if people really want to start getting an idea of what is actually happening now, it doesn't mean this is the roof of the technology, but, uh, there's a gentleman named, he's a friend of mine, Ron Allen. He publishes as Ron Allen and his book is entitled, um, hang on. 21st century transhumanist tale, uh, a vin- no, sorry, 21st century MKUltra slave, a vintage transhumanist tale. 
It's self-published on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked with him, my friend Alana Freeland, and has worked with him. As a matter of fact, she she wrote, put his work together as a book. Um, and this is a man who is under 24-7, and it's a whole new form. I would classify it as a whole new form of huge money-making entertainment. Yes. Okay. So, and yeah. this, is, this is a new form. This is He's under it every night. Okay. Sometimes people are physically coming into his camper, but this is being done through, through technology. Yep. Um, people pay to engage in this for one reason or another. God only knows why. Um, so, so as far as astral and dreams, again, I would just simply say, and I've had dreams where I'm totally in control. Don't get me wrong. That are what I call learning dreams. I go to places to learn something. Um, so that does still exist. Um, I believe you definitely have to have some level of sovereignty to be able to do this uh, because it is, it is, this is broad reaching. This is global technology. Um, and like I said, there's a spiritual reason why they're interfering. Yeah. When we go back to the ninth century, they removed the spirit from the triune. Do you remember that in the ecumenical, whatever it was mm -hmm. in 839, I think it was, you know, it used to be uh, the human was a, uh, body my uh, body soul and spirit yep. and they removed spirit and made it a, a yep two just the, yep. the body and the soul there was no longer a spirit and now we look at what the jab has done um at according to rudolf steiner that there would be a vaccine that would remove the spirit from humanity meaning those who got the shot would not have the inclination to right. see spirit um so again throwing this this astral aspect in um, if you have sovereignty and and um, can work like Ali's talking about, work with your dreams in the way she's talking about, mm -hmm. that's a wonderful thing. But know that there's another force at work um, sure. in the world that is is attempting to not only interfere with that but influence. I mean, think about think about voice to skull technology. I'm sure you're yep. familiar with it. Yes. Yep. You know, people think it's just as if this isn't horrific enough, that it's just a voice in your head talking to you. Think about it's not. It's also influencing your thoughts without you having a clue. There's no voice. Mm -hmm. It's influencing your thoughts. It's so you go to bed at night, you get up the next day and you say, wow, I've had a great idea. I need to do this. If you don't have sovereignty, are you dealing with your own evolution in this or are you dealing with somebody guiding you mm -hmm. and many many people that have come forward who are part of our community that have said they got hit with it when the jab came out i know um uh, jeff rents and cliff high both talked about driving down the road one day and getting the thought you know i should go into the pharmacy and get a shot these are guys that are completely anti right wow yeah and they both got hit with voice to skull thought technology. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is quite common. Um, so I, I, I know I'm always the cautionary person that's throwing out. I'm not the one that's necessarily bringing out the beautiful stuff, but on mine, there is complete and utter faith and hope in, in the future if you so choose it. Well, I'm already having um, a, a certain level of conversation with my own kids about just the idea that thoughts that they might assume are their own origin might not be. I'm just, and I, I don't say it to try and get them scared at all. Um, you know, I just, 
I, I use the example of, you know, if you're walking across a bridge, you know, sometimes there's that, that draw towards that, that drop in, and, and you might have the thought of like, you could step up and just jump off, you know, is that, is that a thought that really is your own? Or, um, I, I think you can take it to extremes of questioning your own thinking. Um, I mean, there are ways of really spiraling out of control, but right. with my own sense of synchronicity, I've had to step back and just kind of question um, how timing can reinforce in a good way or a bad way. I do want to mention though, briefly, um, this idea with entertainment and the dark web, because I was first introduced to this idea by a podcaster and I'm actually, <clears throat> I mean, his stuff is out there and available, but um, in private conversations, he stepped away from the TI subject. And so I don't want to mention his name in this conversation, but my, my big concern after having direct experiences with people on the streets, one of them who no longer is alive, who told me um, before he was shot by the local sheriff's office um, that he was a TI. And my, my concern is that they're now, as society is sort of experiencing mass trauma, that there are street level thugs and pimps that have the techniques um, that if they know that you have a certain type of history, they know that they can say or do certain things to potentially trigger a person and then control them. And so I, it didn't as well click. As, as, let me just throw out, as well as mm -hmm. the technology, right? The remote technologies is super cheap. You can buy individual technologies to fuck with your neighbor. Street level so, stuff. Exa well, exactly. And yeah, please use all the profanity you yeah. can, because this is a very insane um, <laughs> well, topic in, is, in some you know, ways. But really, yeah, <laughs> I, I think this has to be a part of how people start thinking differently. Um, if, if, if body cam footage in real time can be hijacked remotely and people who enjoy watching snuff films, you know, another part of this, um, because people don't think there's enough of a market out there, maybe, um, <laughs> because I know, I know, I know, we know this, but right. um, I think there might be this sort of avoidance assumption that, hey, we don't have to think about this, there's not a market. You have to go back to the son of Sam murders. Um, there was an aspect of snuff films involved in what they were doing. And this is the first, um, the, the, the process church of the final judgment. Um, and so when we talk about film, and I actually heard it described recently that going from um, the large reels of film to VHS was this opening of, of basically individual recorders being able to, to produce really obscene content. And so if we're not at least psychologically keeping up with what technology might be able to do, we might not understand that phones, body cam cameras might be able to provide some level of real-time dark web entertainment to psychopaths and sociopaths who have money and influence and are willing to actually engage with this content. And, and I've, I've had to, I mean, I think Pizzagate was one example of how um, there is a market for depraved art. When you think about um, John Podesta's brother and sort of the, the arts involved in that. But when we talk about discernment and I'll stop rambling here for, for a sec, when we talk about discernment, there is an antique mall that I love to go to here in Missoula. And there's a vendor at this antique mall. He is no longer at the antique mall. He's, he's moved on, but he was a professor in Georgia. Um, he made some short documentaries. The stuff that he was selling in this antique mall disturbed me. And I have some of his objects and artifacts. Ali probably questions yeah. why the hell I have some of this stuff around my, my office. Um, but I do. And when I finally met him in person with his little Roman Polanski beady looking eyes um, looking at me, and he gave me his short little documentary of this um, obscure French photographer. 
and I saw the photography that he was using in this documentary, he selected images, one being very obscene, um, that, that, that was it for me, my gut feeling that there was something wrong with this person. Um, and his, like his nickname, he signed the documentary that he gave me a copy of Puka or Pook. Um, what, so I think it was Pook, but I immediately thought of Puka, the, the rabbit spirit. And, you know, rabbit is a term that I, that came up in your book in terms of some of the, the programming. Um, I now just, ha I'm trying to make this a little bit coherent because it might sound incoherent, but, um, some of the symbolism I think that can res resonate with people, rabbits for me are something significant. I have a lot of kind of rabbit imagery in the background. Donnie Darko is a movie that I think um, is something. Programming movies. Yeah. Well, and that's my concern. That's my, that is my concern that I have passively been consuming so much of this content and combined with other things. How much am I actually spreading fear in some ways? Or um, I guess I just want to be fully conscious and have sovereignty. And I want to question where I might not have sovereignty. I've rambled well, for a know, lot. The Allie, if there's anything issue, you want to add to that. The fear issue. Um, yeah. I think I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, um, you know, tell people to remove the fear. I, it's not something like if you do this and this, it'll remove the fear. It's a, it's a state of being. And I remember when with the targeting in deprogramming, I mean, it, it, early deprogramming, I was absolutely terrified. I yeah. was terrified of everything. I was still in PTSD full on. Um, and I was so afraid that I wouldn't talk about anything to sound a cult or, you know, anything. I mean, even esoteric versions of Christianity frightened me. Everything frightened me. Um, but I noticed over the years, I guess you could say I started pulling my soul forces back. Hmm. And I remember very particular moments with very direct targeting that was absolutely clear. Um, by myself, you know, in whatever place I was living in, um, where I noticed that I wasn't afraid anymore. Something shifted and hmm. I became what I call a watcher or observer. Yeah. So they would initiate something and I would fully engage it, meaning in an observation mode, and I would record it and then share it with others. And the, the sense of me at that point was the emotion was removed. I wasn't I wasn't reacting. I wasn't living in that full-on um, uh, fear sense mode. What hmm. I, I took back my power. In other words, I can't stop the electromagnetic wave from coming in and doing what it does, but I don't go into what they want me to go into. And ironically, yeah. I still get hit, but I don't get hit near as much as I used to. And there's a part of me that believes that they're not getting anything out of it um, right. other than experience experimental level in other words um like one night they they stopped my heart and and kicked it back on and boy believe me that woke me up um <laughs> but it so that so there's an experimental level for them you know we don't care if she dies we're going to give it a try and see how it works um so there's that aspect but once you're able through whatever means, and I do believe this is directly, again, directly connected to an inner life. Once you're able to remove the fear, you're engaging in learning. You become, you become part of the solution. Hmm. Yeah. Even if they're coming at you, because again, this relationship with the higher hierarchies for me, not only helping people understand, but there's a direct relationship. There are some of the higher higher up hierarchies they don't have direct access to this, what's happening here. They depend on us 
to bring it to them in a way that they understand it and can that can affect their influence here. I love that. And that was a really beautiful thing for me to understand. The angels, the archangels, and the archai have access to here, but the what the there's three more above and then three more above. Um, and those guys are high enough that they don't have direct access to what's taking place and they depend on us sending it up through the hierarchies, which hmm. I think is part of what is intended to happen in, in astral time at night with your angel that you, right. there's a, a give and take going on there. Um, so, so it's that emotion and i saw it in my own life in early deprogramming all the emotion and reaction interfered tremendously with the process that i was trying to to take care of but when i started having what i call understandings without that reaction for example the so-called alien aspect interacting right. with me which is demonic um it's not aliens from another mm -hmm. planet it's it's uh part of the subnature of of our realm um but when I realized what they were, I never had another visit from them. It was as if a light switch got thrown. So it, you know, this this education, um, being able to not react, um, I think those are all really, really important things. As far as exposing yourself to information, I think our inner self has a guide what to, you know, people send me stuff all the time. Some of it I'm absolutely certain I'm supposed to take a look at. Um, as far as other people's stories, I, I feel that they need to be witnessed, um, that that was something I had a hard time with getting a genuine, sincere witness to my story. And so right. I'll engage in that. But then there's other things that come through that, yeah, no, I already know this. I don't need to go keep going down that path. Um, that's just a, you know, a constant bombardment of negative. Um, but there are things that are important. So it, it's, it's an interesting balance of educating yourself um, and empowering yourself without becoming subject really to what you're, what you're viewing or reading or, or whatnot. And, yeah. and back to the snuff films, this, this industry, this, just the sexual aspect, the horrific perverted sexual aspect of mind control is what pays these guys this is where they get their money it is the biggest money maker it right trumps, right it trumps human human organ organ trafficking it trumps drug trafficking it trumps all of them this yep. is massive and it feeds esoterically spiritually it feeds what's happening on the surface right so to me until we really can sincerely address this and remove this what's happening on the surface it's, it's like a ritual. It's an ongoing ritual to keep the surface mentality hypnotized. Wow. Uh, going back to something you were saying, it sounded to me like you're talking about building some sort of soul immunity or spiritual immunity to certain of the things that keep coming at you. And I very much resonate with the healing journey that you've described because it's been very similar in my own walk. Um, I, I was thinking about the posture of fear and because I don't believe just engaging this material on its face automates fear or the fear response, which you've, which you've talked about. And I appreciate, and the only way I've known to overcome fear in my own life is to love something else more. 
And so I think when that, like that motivation comes from this intrinsic place of I'm a justice seeker, you know, I'm, I'm a truth seeker. I, I believe in these things, then that sustains that motivation. So we're no longer on the defensive, but we actually can go on the offense. And uh, yeah, those are just some, some it stops. It stops being just about you. Right. That's exactly. a transition. And who knows what leads each of us there. I know my spiritual path, my inner life development was what led me there, where it became about what's happening to humanity rather than yeah. just what happened to me. My story is simply an avenue to get, be able to get out there and talk about what really matters. Yeah, it's really exactly. not about my story. Yeah. That's I hear awesome. You. Very well so said, Allie. Yeah. And you mentioned finding the right witness. And part of what you describe in your in your book um, is some early, I think, some early challenges in connecting with the right therapist because of the way the system of trying to, to get help is just kind of set up. And I know that the mental health system just in Missoula, Montana, you know, one of the therapists that I used to work with a bit in at Western Montana Mental Health himself was charged with child pornography. Um, and so you know, finding the right therapist and maybe encouraging people that it, that that in and of itself as an important step to get someone to help um, validate your experiences and kind of walk with you, um, that is worth the persistence it might take, especially as, you know, insurance and all the stuff that just it's set up to not get help to really push you away. But well, maybe talk about your experience of finding that right therapist. I, I never did. Oh, okay. Um, I never did. No, I didn't. I didn't really begin deprogramming until I talked to everyday people who okay. understood this. Um, I, I wound up with two men from Salt Lake City, both ex-LDS. Okay. That was a, that's like a pit of it up there. Yes. The LDS Mormon. Uh, There's a lot of stuff coming out right now about that Ooh. right now. It's, and it's they bad. had already worked with uh, a young woman that was LDS. I wasn't LDS, but they had worked with someone. So they, they knew the background. That was yeah. when I found help. I'd been to several therapists. Now there was a therapist. I don't know. I think I talked about him in the book. They gave you uh, techniques, right? There were some valuable techniques that you learned well, from at least one therapist that that listened to you in some way that was beneficial. I didn't. I didn't find any techniques that helped with this. Uh, the therapist that actually uh, strike two, strike two. <laughs> the therapist that actually helped me wasn't because of any technique. I don't think he understood even multiplicity. Yeah, he never. We never got there. But what he was was a truly compassionate human being. It was the, this was my early twenties and it was the okay. first time mm -hmm. I understood that there were human beings out there like this, that there was a man that had now entered my life for about a year and a half. Um, he was on the sliding scale with the County. So I, I think I paid right. $10 a session and I still can see his eyes. He had the most compassionate, genuine, compassionate eyes. He was a human being. And he saw the suffering and he did what he could to assist me to prevent me from killing myself really is what, where I was at then. But as far as, you know, that, that whole, that whole industry, there's always exceptions. There's exceptions to everything. Um, yeah, yeah, Ellen yeah. Lachter out of San Diego is one. She has a site called endritualabuse.org. And I've often referred people there. I don't know what's going on with her now, but this was years ago. And she she was starting to network with people in the country who were having people like me walk in and start talking about this stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, at first they're skeptics and then they get one or two and, and they start connecting up. So there are people, I can't tell you where to go, but um, my opinion of this is this. 
I wound up deprogramming simply with support people that would listen to me. Yeah. Nothing else. They didn't know anything about it, really. I mean, they didn't know what what systems were in me, what altars were in me. They didn't know the specifics of what's done. And we're still we're still on that front line. Yeah. It hasn't changed yet. There's more and more people coming out because the information's coming out. But really, you know, as hard as this is, and it's a very hard path, what I say to people is short of your programmer, controller, or handler having a complete spiritual awakening and coming to you with all your information, nobody knows what's inside of you. And I actually caution people who go to therapists who think they can deprogram people. You hear that word, walk the other way. Excellent. It is a very slippery slope. And I went to one at the behest of a friend and I only went once and it turns out we found out later that the psychiatrist has her own programming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I never went back because it was like, I don't need that. I just don't need that shit. Um, <laughs> I'm going to know what's inside me sooner than anyone else is going to know. And yeah. what happens is if you are a multiple, you will have to start engaging your altars. There's no other way around it. And if you get into a position where you're empowered enough to do that and you have a support person that is truly safe, they will start coming forward. That's what happened to me. Once those two guys said they believed me and not only they believed me, they'd already worked with people like me. The floodgates opened. Oh, wow. Okay. Altars started presenting left and right 24 hours a day. I had to buy a recorder just to record the snippets that I didn't even understand. Wow. All started to form a puzzle. The pieces started coming together and it took a long time. It took months and years for a lot of it to kind of coagulate together and form a big picture. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not of, you know, someone like Ellen Lachter, go to her site. She has absolutely wonderful information for you. Yeah. Find a support person that someone that you absolutely trust um, and beware that you, if you are MKUltra, they're going to send numerous potential handlers in over time. Yeah. You're going to keep sending them until they, you know, realize you're not going to take hold. So yeah, therapy, <laughs> therapy isn't there yet. That industry, um, works the other way most of the time it has been infiltrated heavily and i mean even the dsm is is, is just crazy so um i i always throw caution out yeah so i have a theory i have a theory and i'm I'm glad that you set me straight on what you found and that was compassion and that sort of highlights how deep of a hole of trauma you really have have climbed out of and so that just emphasizes the strength of your story um you probably ran across someone, the 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 or the the two men in Salt Lake City, and I might be wrong, but maybe they were early on the their positions, and they hadn't sort of been chewed up by the system yet. Because I I think of a story, and I want to share this with you, um, you know, briefly. So I was working um, after the homeless shelter. I worked at an area agency on aging, and so I was in a call center, meaning I wasn't obviously seeing the people; they were just calling in. And so a woman called in and. I talked to her probably, you know, six, seven, eight times over a period of months. Um, And it was probably around the third or fourth conversation where she was describing um, how certain things can trigger um, basically this, this bulimic, uh, it's a food, it's a food suicide program in in short. And she was really hesitant to, to even mention this. And when she asked me, have you ever heard of MK ultra? And I said, yes, I can almost just feel the relief that, 
oh my goodness, this person might actually not immediately dismiss me. And she went on to describe um, being hypnotized by a doctor, I think it was either Kalispell or Whitefish, so up north. Um, and she remembered the name of the doctor. I checked it out and the name checked out. Um, this guy was involved in traveling with Nixon into China when China was opening up. Um, mm. And so, you know, people think maybe that this is really a, a unique, rare experience. But one of the things in terms of therapists not being, you know, on, on the front lines in the way they need to be is because there is a lot of catch up and there are that many people that have experienced some range of this trauma in a direct individual kind of concerted way. So, well, well, MK ultra, yeah. the guys, the, the, the psychiatrist, one of the head psychiatrists of MK ultra was the president of the American mental health association. Yep. In the 1950s. I mean, this guy ran the entire association. He was the head. He yep. was the chief. And many of them held very profound positions in that. Yes. So I think it's really important. And I think, um, Oh, minds of men. Um, Minds of Men is a documentary. It's a long one, but it's done by um, Truth Stream Media. Okay. Couple. Um, mm -hmm. I forget their names now. Um, and they do an entire history of the Mental Health Association uh, and, and, um, and the various psychiatrists who were part of MKUltra. And I think that's incredibly important for people to understand where this started. You and Cameron up in Canada um, yes. being a huge one. Are you Jolly familiar with West. Leonard? I mean, all of them. Jolly were, West, yes. You know, all of these guys. But the guy, some of the main people, I forget which one it was, was literally head of the American yeah. Mental Health, you know, the, the big psychiatric association. And he was yep. running MKUltra experiments on people. So getting a good history of the mental health field is really important. And then, you know, the way I look at it now, a lot of therapists are unwitting, but they've been brainwashed. Um, you know, I went to one guy and he told me to meditate more. This was years <laughs> into, and I was just like, absolutely dumbfounded. Are you kidding me? I mean, he has no idea. Yeah. He has no idea about anything, you know? He's gonna be good with helping people stop smoking and he needs to stop there. You know, it's, it's just really, um, so that, it's not that everybody's a, a, a full on perpetrator, it's right. that they've been brainwashed and I mean, there's certain areas in that field that you can go and there's other areas you can, or you get blacklisted. So, yep. you know. Yeah. Ali, is there anything you, you wanted to, to add? No, it's, I, I agree with a, a lot that's being said because I've, I've also had some experiences with therapists that are good and some that are not so good, but I think what happens is it's really one's posture and approach to even wanting to address the issue. And I thought what you said earlier was so spot on about avoidance. And, and that's something that I've written about too, is the first step to healing is engaging truth, no matter what the cost. And um, I think whether with an official therapist or not, as, as long as people are willing to look at the hard stuff, that's a gateway to healing. Well, and, and, yeah. and let, me, let me qualify a little bit. Um, if you're MKUltra, the new version or old version, it doesn't matter. We still use the term. Of course, it's been changed a long time ago. Yeah. But we all understand what we're saying. If you're MKUltra, going to a therapist is not necessarily a good idea. If yeah. you're a trauma survivor of some sort, I encourage, absolutely. Yeah. But we're talking about something that is a an esoteric science. It is so scientific, so complicated, so sophisticated, so 
a lot of MK Ultras have suicide programming. Yeah. In other words, when you take a certain action, that suicide programming is going to get kicked into gear. And I learned, and I talk about this in the book, that they even controlled how my deprogramming would unfold. So in other words, if I start to wake up, there's going to be a, a series of things that are going to get kicked off to try to either uh, kill myself, mm -hmm. um, self-destruct in some way, shape, or form, become an alcoholic addict, whatever, um, become a sex addict, or, I mean, there's all these self-cutting, all kinds right. of things. Um, so it's really important to understand um, trauma survivors in general are conditioned. You can condition victimhood, okay? And I don't know your circumstances, Ali, so I can't speak to it specifically, but all of us are conditioned. Um, and most people have some form of trauma that's been conditioned into it. Mm. We are now under a global version of trauma conditioning. Yeah. Um, but mind control programming is very different, okay? These things are not all in the person's mind, for one thing. They're sequestered with alters, okay? They may not even know they have suicide programming. Um, they may not know that they have cutting programming. They may not know whatever. Um, it'll make you sound crazy when you first start talking about it. You sound crazy. So I really want to be clear that those are two very different things. Yes. And it's very important that um, you understand about programming as opposed to conditioning before you even try to, to unwind this. Um, they were really smart. They were really, really smart in the way they did this. And for me, it became early on, all these child alters came up. I sounded crazy because their information was important, but it made me sound crazy. Um, I was very emotional, very erratic, very reactive. I'd have literally four and five self-destruct programmings going off in a day, one day yeah. to meet with. Um, and, and some of them, I mean, they're powerful. They're super powerful. So, so anyway, I just want to clarify that for somebody that has been taken from birth and has been run through programming, um, most people honestly aren't even aware they're programmed for one. Yeah. Um, and when they do start waking up, it's going to look very erratic and it can be dangerous. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a dangerous area. So it's really important to, you know, the guys in Salt Lake weren't therapists. They simply were, they understood what was going on in the world. They mm -hmm. had to all these conspiracies, not only within their church, but within the world at large. Yeah. And they became, uh, you know, out, very outspoken and wound up working with some people like me. So. so was one of those individuals, Russ, is it Dizdar, D-I-Z-D-A-R? He was mentioned Dizdar. in your, Dizdar, he was mentioned in no, your book. He, he wasn't, but I, I had one contact with him. You did. And then I got his book. Yeah. And, and I have never to this day read a book like that. I mean, it was very evangelical, um, mm -hmm. but what he was doing was he was using language that I use the exact same language to describe things. And I knew that this was, at that time, this was the first man, first person I had come up against who was dealing directly with the super sensible world on the dark side like I was. Yeah. There was, mm -hmm. because his language and the way he talked about it, I knew he was the real deal. 
Um, and he did pass um, during the last three years. I don't know what the cause of his death was, but there's some um, speculation. What, what what's the name of his book? I because I think I've tried um, to find that Black Awakening. I think it's about super soldiers, and from a very um, he was a very devout Christian pastor. Um, some of the experiences he had were, I mean, really just absolutely wild in his yeah. pastor office, you know, with these individuals that came in. And I remember him talking about this small woman one time came in um, as an assassin, and it took like four or five big guys to put her down. Um, so this this spiritual aspect is very important. People think this is hoo-hoo. And um, I can vouch for the fact that these individuals on the dark side that are not in physical form um, are all very individual. They have personalities, characters, abilities. Um, they hold positions in hierarchy. And I've come face to face with many of them, meaning in an altered state yeah. and was bound to even wed to some of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're real and they're very individual, very, very particular um, aspects to this. And he, he, um, he comes from pretty much the, um, that there's, you know, the Christ and then there's Satan, um, in anthroposophy, the field grows. Um, and that's why it was, um, I was drawn to it because I had met many different and there were very different Lucifer and what, uh, what they call Ariman, which is what most people would call Satan. Lucifer right. Ariman are two very different characters in my yeah. world. So one of the interesting things um, that I'm starting to look into is the aspects that don't seem to make sense for, for people in terms of ideological similarities when you're talking about some of the New Age stuff with the Blavatsky, some of the neo-Nazi um, elements of white supremacy movements. And then um, Dean Reiner is a podcast, uh, a podcaster. Um, and Dean Reiner's research, he's kind of brought his podcast back. And I've listened to two episodes where he's talking about this really bizarre um, spiritual aspect of some of these new cartels that are coming up um, in Latin America and Mexico and how they are identifying overtly with this new Atlantis perception of spiritual evolution. I mean, it's not something you would think to um, apply spiritual analysis to uh, to a narco cartel uh, movement. But I think because there's been in Western society such a lack of sophistication in looking at the pantheon of entities that might actually be at play, some of those are cultural. I mean, you might still have some Aztec things that are at play. And I know there was in California, there was some controversy because an old Aztec poem or prayer was going to be taught in schools. And, right. and there's some questions from some of these folks, you know, oh, I use the F word folks. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying not to use the word folks. It's just a personal preference. But the, the questions, I guess, about the, some of the spiritual aspects that, that are going on that, that um, might be outside of this, what you were describing as a more simplistic um, God, devil, you know, God, Lucifer, I've even heard some distinctions made between the Molochians, people that are gravitating toward the Moloch, Baal, kind of Mithras element, and then this, you know, the Luciferians being more sophisticated. And one of the suspicions I have is that we have a cartoon version of Satanism that's being shown to us right now, and that the, the more sophisticated um, evil is going to come in as this great savior, obviously, you know, like we're not going to be, you know, conned by this obvious, obvious Satanism that's, that's parading around in the Grammys. Um, but when that is sort of targeted, it's going to be important, I think, for people with the, the tools of discernment to ask themselves who is coming in to, to save 
humanity, um, especially if you haven't done the inner work, because I think that really is such an important part, almost essential part is if you're not essentially putting on that oxygen mask in the in the airplane that's crashing, you're going to be of no use to anyone else. And so doing that inner work is so important. But any anything in, in that rambling that you'd like to respond to? Sure, sure. And 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 what I've found um, since I BND programming, um, probably close to 15 years ago now, is that there everything that we can um, bring in and utilize to go forward in the light, mm -hmm. um, I'm finding that the dark side has an agenda with it. In other words, yeah. um, it can be, as it has been so many times over epics, um, subverted and utilized. Mostly to me, that's where I was talking about, like the superficial version of things where it's, you know, it's a weekend deal. It's a, you know, whatever. It's um, I'm going to poke in and see what that's all about. There's no um, there's no sincere deep dive. Um, and for me, this is where I see that the cosmology that Rudolf Steiner offered gives me a baseline. Um, I see a lot of people dabbling in this and that, but without that cosmology, meaning that that historic understanding of, of what is, um, I think it often is uh, is a distraction. Mm -hmm. Become a distraction. Um, you know, I. I don't subscribe to um, somebody's coming to save me. Um, I believe there are things in the super sensible realm and beings that are here to assist humanity and offer something to humanity for us to save ourselves. So that's the kind of the difference for me. Um, yeah. There are a lot of, there is a pantheon of, of many, many beings um, some of the beings are over different epics of human history are the same being that have had different names and so forth. Yeah. Um, but for me, um, I have to be proactive through mind and heart, spirit and soul to save myself and assist in, in that further evolution. And there are very like the, uh, in signer language it's the Christ impulse um, that came was super significant, um, offered something to humanity that was never offered before. And Christ is a very particular aspect of, of my cosmology of, of, of salvation, if you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't view it necessarily the same as um, perhaps a, a religious person would. I, I view Jesus and Christ as something is told to me in the cosmology of, of spiritual science. And that just fits for me in my experience. Right. I believe not only in this life, but in previous lives, that there's a lot that carries over into our perceptions and understanding and experiences in a subsequent life from, mm -hmm. from where we've been before. So, so, um, so there, in, in my estimation, there's going to be a whole lot of, second comings that are false yeah yeah um and so again back to the inner life um and this comes through spiritual science as well back to the inner life of being able to discern yeah um, and i think that there's going to be a lot of things presented upcoming through the dark forces and dark beings who are going to present themselves as light beings as well as through the technologies in the mm -hmm. skies what have you 
Um, and this could go on for, I don't know, hundreds of years for all I know. Um, so, so the yeah. Skies in Montana are definitely getting active. Um, Ali, did there, there was something you wanted to add? Yeah, getting back to the F word. Um, oh no, she she has a different sense of the F you, word, and this is this oh, is an entire. Her F word is gonna. She'll tell you. No, it's it's interesting because it actually prompt. I'm glad you said that because it actually prompted me to remember. It, it's something I wanted to ask about, and that's the concept of forgiveness. In your ah, uh, see, that, isn't that an obscene idea? It is an obscene idea. When it comes in to certain, evil, <laughs> in certain regards. So, so I just wonder what role, if any, has that played in your journey um, of healing? Huge, yeah. And I don't see it as just some virtue I I came up with, but I also again see this as a process in my healing that I went from loathing my perpetrators and the thought of either myself going and killing them or, you know, somebody, some other way that they would horrifically die Yeah. to understanding that, um, and this, this is not in any way condoning. Okay. Their right. behavior, but most of them are under the influence of very dark forces. And I wouldn't go so far as to say, in my opinion, the, the spiritual aspect of mind control is that, um, the entities are the first line of handlers. Um, the physical handler on the outside is secondary, as is the programming. But I have no question whatsoever that entities were installed in me to run my handlers, the dark handlers. Um, and so I have come to a view that now I see many of our so-called high-profile public figures in this arena, the Klaus Schwab's, the Bill Gates, mm -hmm. the, you know, all these characters as actually mind-control victims themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. Mind control victimhood is first before perpetration for right. anyone. Um, and you may, you know, you can become a, a low level unwitting perpetrator by going along. Um, but I'm talking about hardcore uh, perpetration like these characters. These guys are under, uh, if not, I believe Bill Gates was actually on MKUltra. Yeah. Not just influenced by dark forces, but actually was programmed, as are many other public figures. Someone like Klaus Schwab to me is, um, and Harari, those are, their, their soul and spirit has been taken over by dark forces. That wherever the soul is, it's not in the body right now. Hmm, interesting. So there's different forms of, of mind control. There's the, the entity version, which also rides the tech, by the way. The entities actually ride the technology frequencies. Um, but there can, be, there can be the entity version and there can be the, you know, the, the technological version, which also involves entities, which is not a popular topic for a lot of um, um, other surviving MKUltras. They don't believe that there's a, a you know, strong spiritual aspect. Yeah. But to me, there's you can't separate those two things. So. Yeah. Well, as we look at kind of wrapping up this amazing conversation that it's going to take me weeks and weeks to fully process, I think, mm -hmm. um, in my own journey, asking for help out loud was something suggested to me. And as you're talking about writing frequencies and without trying to sound too new agey, you know, the higher vibration, the lower vibration, love, right. higher, um, fear, lower. Um, you know, I did ask for help out loud and later had um, a sign that that was sort of an important part of, I think, getting shown those higher realms and that assistance that's there, but you actually might have to do something like ask for it. 
Um, and it might not just be thinking those thoughts of, hey, I, I could have a hand. You might actually have to be more active than that and verbalize something. And I also wanted to touch on this idea of um, carryover stuff from previous lives because um, as I am looking at the, not just my own inner space, but the, the responsibilities I have for, you know, three lives that came in through, through me. Right. Um, it's interesting. Ali's actually helped me see some of the stuff potentially going on with past lives, um, with grandmas and grandpas and wars and what might be happening on some level that, um, you know, I, my investment is the, the long game with, with my own kids and he helping them process things that I think might be carryover stuff from, from past lives. And so, um, but the, the vibration and just saying things like trying to get my own kids to understand, um, saying negative things toward your sibling is so damaging. Um, and it really seems that we live in this world now that after the, the sort of astrological confluence in December of a couple of years ago, where, you know, a lot of people are saying, Hey, we're, we're in this new place where it almost seems like thoughts are manifesting into actions faster. You have to be almost more cautious at um, being aware of your inner space, your inner thought processes and what might be in there. Um, because it just seems like we are at this like accelerated point in, in human history where things that we do now are very important. I think they've always been important, but now more than ever. So um, as we're kind of looking at wrapping it up and having some positive things to come away with, I mean, I'm thank you so much. I, yeah, there's been you. so many amazing aspects of your story that you've um, taken the, the, the sort of grace to share with us today. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of amazed because this has been some of these subjects that have produced fear reactions in me. And I'm really glad that we were, I think, able to have a, a much more nuanced um, conversation um, then I think what is possible if you're not doing that inner work before even engaging in a conversation like this. So um, other things that you may want to touch on before we kind of look at wrapping things up a bit. Well, I, I, I definitely um, have come to find that, and again, through my studies, um, mm -hmm. that previous lives play extremely significant in the current incarnation. I yeah. mean, far more than we think. Um, there is a, a direct relationship of where we've come from and mm -hmm. how we chose to manifest and incarnate this time yeah. deeply, deeply influencing. So there can be a lot of things to be worked out karmically mm -hmm. um, and um, just a lot of influence on where what we do while we're here. So I, I think that's an interesting aspect. Yeah. I thought that um, incarnations for me were happening much more rapidly then and when i got into spiritual science he's talking a thousand to 1500 years apart mm -hmm. which is fascinating you know so you're in he's saying you're in each epic now there are cases of people who are incarnating more quickly they seem to be more highly evolved and they're coming in for a very particular purpose um mm -hmm. so i came up with this idea and i've, I've found some other people had the same idea that um there's a false recycling going on yes where i don't think i was always going back to the place in the super sensible world to, to work through which takes time and you know a lot of time time is, is in the sense of our linear time right right um, but i think there was a um like a i was going to a false place which i think i've been visiting for a few years in my mm -hmm. astral uh, which is fascinating, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're getting recycled quickly, meaning many of the memories, so-called memories I have of short incarnations, 
really actually all involve some form of me being owned or um, mm. under some kind of um, atavistic trance-like state, you know, initiate right. initiation or um, being owned by such like a gangster or so I think it's possible. I, I can't confirm this or prove this in any way, shape or form, but I do believe there's a false halting when mm -hmm. you pass violent deaths, by the way, um, this is part of the purpose. I don't know if you know about the left-hand brotherhoods and the right-hand brotherhoods, but um, something you might want to look into the secret brotherhoods. Um, they know how to work things here to contain, continue to have access to you after you leave. Yeah. Um, and this is one, actually one of the ways I was used. I discovered mm -hmm. this in my studies with spiritual science that in the violent death aspect, um, they they can then kind of, in, a, in my language, capture the soul and utilize that person on the other side who isn't able to go into um, the proper place that would, you know, uh, work through things and so forth between death and birth. Yes. Uh, before they reincarnate. So, um, but I found actual specific information in Steiner lectures that speaks to exactly how they do it and what they do. And I realized that I was being utilized here to take people out for that process. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that actually correlates. It was members of, a lot of them were members of the network mm -hmm. that they were disposing of. Right. And those people get violent death puts you in a different place. They know this. That's why there's so much violence on earth. Yep. They're controlling that process of going forward. Um, and very specifically, they'll pick individuals to use later that will help them mm -hmm. from sense of this other realm. Um, and I discovered recently um, that I've been visiting Bardo in the Interesting. about once or twice a year. Um, and the, I was always uncomfortable there. And the last visit, I wasn't uncomfortable. I had no fear. I didn't know the name of the place, but I realized I had been there several times. And there's a whole lot of people there. Whole lot of wow. people. There. There's a whole, it's like another earth version, but not the same, but mm -hmm. very, it's not otherworldly. It's, I mean, it's not a other planet or anything like that. It's right. clearly a spiritual world of lost souls who I felt a very low consciousness loaded with people. It's like a big busy city, all wow. kinds of normal earth activities going on. And um, I was sitting in a, at the end, I was sitting in a small crowded cafe, little booths and um, really tiny place. And it was really packed and loud. And there was a guy sitting in a booth across, but he had it back to me. And I was aware that nobody was making eye contact through my whole adventure through here. It's as if they mm. didn't, they couldn't connect to me. And I'm sitting there and he quickly turns and locks eyes with me and I'm out. I'm gone. Wow. And I realized later that he was a, sort of a watcher in Bardo, which is also referred to, I believe, as the eighth sphere in spiritual science, um, which is a very interesting thing to look into. So I'm visiting the eighth sphere and I believe he was a watcher and he watches who comes and goes mm -hmm. and he's keeping track of, you know, how humanity is interacting with this Bardo or eighth sphere. Yeah. But clear, it was clear to me, these people were, were dead and they didn't know they were dead. 
Yeah. So this, this actually correlates with me. Um, and we can maybe look at kind of wrapping up on this note. Um, yeah, the, sorry about that. No, this is this is amazing to me um, because th this work of fiction I started in 2015 before I, I left my job at the homeless shelter um, involved this, this phrase I saw in some movie. It's a Western, I'm sure. But the idea that indigenous cultures had an idea of a good death, a good death. Okay, um, I, I wrote down death as a trampoline as you were talking um, to remind me of the, this idea in Donnie Darko of just seeing the trampoline and, and the idea that... Um, we, we've been actually kept from so much information, but part of that is how to die in a way that is a, you know, keeps us from some of these lower places. And so, um, you know, it, it amazes me. Ali and I are both working on, on books and I'm getting more and more cautious about writing things down because I think there is, there is a way of accessing outside of the way we experience linear time, um, stuff that is happening and, and to see what I've written years ago start coming true whether it's trains and nazis in the pacific northwest um you know there's just a lot of stuff that's that's happening so i'm very interested that you mentioned as we're wrapping up this conversation which i has been absolutely amazing that idea um i will certainly look into left-hand brotherhoods right-hand brotherhoods i mean this is very in line with some of the stuff that um just rings true for me and that people i think need to start thinking about um fear of death is just one of these huge control factors in this in this world um, so many people just do whatever they can to extend life. And part of writing the story that I, I started writing years ago was this idea that they really want immortality. Um, like they want to find a way of staying down here for as long as possible because the consequences um, of where they're going, they know that too. And they want the, the necromancing aspect of this like dark sorcery that they're now sort of deploying across this entire globe. You know, that's part of it, their own fear of Absolutely. death. And, and so forgiveness, um, I'm so glad Ali asked that um, because I, I, I'm in my own struggle with having just a lot of like unresolved anger issues with like people that are pretty close to me. And so I'm, I'm in this journey where a lot of stuff is very raw for me. And Ali has to see a lot of that um, as we, you know, try and have sensible, coherent conversations and then crumble, you know, apart sometimes as we're just, you know, struggling with this stuff. But I really think this conversation today, anyone that listens to it is going to um, come away with some amazing insights, despite the darkness of the content. Um, and I really want you to promote anything that you're, you're wanting to promote in terms of your own work, um, your book, things that people might benefit from as we're, as we're finishing this. Well, I, I do have to recommend Ilana yeah. three books. Um, mm -hmm. She's written three books. It starts with the Chemtrails Heart book, and then it goes through the Under the INI Sky and her current book, which she's actually had a publisher um, approach her about splitting this book. It's huge. It's called uh, Geoengineered Transhumanism, and then there's a mm -hmm. long subtitle. Um, she's actually in the process of splitting it into two for this publisher. Uh, cool. But if people really, and I, I recommend starting with the first one, even though it seems like you can jump to Gina Engineered Transhumanism, she will take you through this, not yeah. in theory, completely footnoted, literally like 500 footnotes. Okay, mm -hmm. this, is, this is very factual. Um, and then she gets into some of the spiritual aspect in the synthetic biology uh, part of the book and the book that's going to be coming out as she splits this last one. It's a great way to, um, it's really a great way to get a grasp. And I've had friends who have known me for years and they start reading and they don't want to finish the book. <laughs> and I said, that's okay, but don't come to me and tell me you don't understand and ask me a bunch of questions, you know, right. you need to educate yourself. And I want to say, you know, you can buy the books. Um, you can listen to her online as well. She talks about this stuff. And what's so, her name? Uh, what, Ilana, what's her name? 
Ilana Freeland. Imagine oh, yeah, yeah. Being born with the name Freeland. I mean, it's not hard to tell what your de destiny is, right? That's um, right. I have heard of her. Okay, perfect. Excellent. Yeah, um, she's, she's really good. Um, I recommended Ron Allen's book. That's mm -hmm. pretty far into all this. It's not a it's not a new person to start there. Right, um, right. I do recommend my book. Um, yes, absolutely. Books. Well, the reason I recommend it is it's pertinent to the times. Yep. You know, it talks about my process of deprogramming, but the truth is we're all going to have to break significant amount of conditioning mm -hmm. um, and it's coming at us 24 seven, you know? Yeah. So, um, but there's a lot of good material out there for free, mm -hmm. uh, you know? So people take advantage of it. If you don't have the money to buy, like I didn't, when I started deprogramming, I just, I got what I could get for free, you know, and find it where I could. So. Yeah, absolutely. And part of my effort because of my, my dreams, when I was having them of this idea of a library, I have a lot of hard copy books and part of the hope moving forward locally is giving um, locals some ability to access this library in order to, to do that education locally, which I think a lot of the effort, obviously your inner space, but then your local community has to be where a lot of that action, I think, takes place. Right. Um, and so these are amazing books to follow up on and to, to see where you can you know, get access to this information to do some of the work yourself on that education piece. And there's a, there's a couple, uh, Tom and Nita Horn, um, they wrote a book years ago. Uh, it's still one of the best ones out there. It's a really long title. I can't remember, but it, it's addressing transhumanism and geoengineering and robotics and AI. And they, they kind of were uh, ahead of a lot of people and it's still very pertinent today. Yeah. And they do come from a Christian, a Christian perspective. Yeah. Excellent. Aline, did you have some final thoughts? from the Christian perspective. I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. It's amazing to hear your story and just to see your resilience and that it really encourages me. And I know it's encouraging the people listening to. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me on YouTube. Appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Well, you. thank you so much. Um, stick around. I'm going to go ahead and hit stop yeah. on the record session. Yeah. And there you have it. Quite an intense and really fascinating conversation with a really strong survivor of intense trauma. So thank you once again to Elisa E. Um, for sharing your story with us. Um, her book, Our Life Beyond MKUltra, I'll provide some links. Um, I'll write up a little blog post for the day this post, which should be Friday, March 3rd. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we will be bringing you the week in review, as always, on Sunday. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can email me at willskink at yahoo.com. That's W-I-L-L-S-K-I-N-K at yahoo.com. And come to the blog. Check out the articles. I post Monday through Friday, generally 7 a.m. And that's at zoomcron.com, Z-O-O-M-C-H-R-O-N. Because we're a Zoom town, baby. So stay tuned. Keep listening. Keep reading. Find ways to support me at my About page if you're so inclined to throw money my direction i could certainly use some to keep this independent journalist thing going got a lot of stuff cooking um, a lot more content so please stay tuned and thank you for supporting independent journalism